All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back with another episode, and we got some stuff to talk about, uh, especially after a disappointing week, uh, a loss and a friendly, and then a loss to the rivals from up the 405. So, yeah, definitely some stuff to talk about here, and we're definitely going to try and do that with you. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. So one to Godoy. He's found a great ball into Voltsen. Plenty of time. He smashes it home and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas into Voltsen. Now Segber sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and burying aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County off the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i'm your host ray samora and i am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things orange county soccer club and joining me as he does each and every episode and just in the nick of time, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are things on the road? Uh, they're good. They're, um, I think it's been... One of those amazing cell phone connections I hear, Dylan. Um, you may be yeah. coming in and out here and there. Are, where, where exactly are you on that road trip out to uh, Colorado? about 100 miles outside of denver colorado so you're sort of in the middle of mountains so you're definitely going to probably be in and out here and there hopefully we'll be able to hear most of what you have to say if i sort of jump in and cut you off mid-statement it's probably because we we lost a little bit of what you're saying but you know we we will keep our fingers crossed that we get to hear what dylan has to say on the road because i'm sure he has a lot to share with you that are willing to come listen with us Uh, also joining us we've got alan down in san diego alan how are you doing Doing fantastic. Another great day of soccer today. So uh, this is my nightcap of soccer, official soccer shenanigans. So I can't wait to get to it. Yeah. Anyone that follows or yeah follows Alan on social media, especially Twitter, uh, will know exactly what he's talking about there. He basically had what, like 10 different soccer related activities throughout the day. Yeah. Nothing like super official, but watch party for the women's team, Argentina, Brazil, Mexico's playing right now, but I was doing some yard work. Uh, and then my nephew likes to play video games, and the game he plays is Rocket League, which is essentially cars soccer. and soccer. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a day full of soccer balls and goals and frivolity. So there we go. What what better way to celebrate or or have fun on a uh, summer break day for a teacher than to just do a bunch of soccer related stuff? Uh, and as you can see, for those of you on the live stream, I think Dylan just dropped out, probably hit a dead zone. Uh, we got, we're going to have to find out what cell provider he has so we can find out 
what not to use while driving to Colorado Springs from Orange County. Um, so we got some stuff to talk about, uh, and mainly it's soccer, of course. We had two matches that happened since you last heard from us, a match that was a friendly against uh, Liga MX, one, you know, first league, whatever, Liga MX side, uh, Tijuana, Club Tijuana, Cholos. I'm, I'm going to defer to Alan because he's the San Diego native. He's closer to that. I don't even try to pronounce that full name. It's a crazy long name, as most things are in uh, Liga MX. But we, I, we just refer to him as the Cholos. Um, yeah, it's uh, basically the top tier of Mexican football uh, in yeah, Liga MX. They have divisions, uh, but uh, the Cholos are uh, last season was a playoff team in Liga MX. Awesome. And, and, you know, being that that was a friendly match, you know, a a chance to see some, maybe some players that we don't get to see too often, see some new strategies. We had the introduction uh, and the first action for two new players that had just joined the team over the the course of a few days leading up to that match. And ultimately, when you look at the match, that one, and then the other match we'll talk about, which is the LA Galaxy match, LA Galaxy 2. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that friendly match was the better of the two matches, just as far as the action on the field. Uh, yeah, the the scores, you know, I think both matches ended, you know, with Orange County down one goal at the end of the match. But when you can do that, I know it's a friendly and I know it's preseason for, for Club Tijuana. Uh, they still put up a good fight and even their coaching staff had that to say after the match. So we'll definitely get into all those things. We'll talk about that. And then, you know, we'll get into some shenanigans later on. Again, hopefully Dylan... Uh, get some good cell service uh, somewhere there in the mountains of, I would assume, Colorado if he's only about a uh, hundred miles outside of Denver. But we'll see what we got going on there. So let's go ahead and do this, Alan. Let's uh, talk about this Club Tijuana match. It's going to be difficult for you to really talk much about it because you weren't there. It wasn't streamed. There, there was nothing available for fans that didn't come to the stadium. Uh, other than maybe following the club social media. Uh, I was there. I was trying to tweet as I was trying to take notes, as I was talking to other media members, because you could speak with Alan. It's very rare that you get multiple media members at the stadium for match. But again, because this was Club Tijuana, you had some of the the local newspapers. I think it was like um, the Daily News or the Daily Pilot or whichever one it was. There was a gentleman from that paper uh, that was there. Uh, You know, chance for me to get to talk to him and learn. He's been covering soccer since the 70s. So I was trying to tweet, take notes, write an article, uh, and all this within the the confines of no USL match center uh, stats that we come to rely on when we're watching the USL championship matches. It's all just sort of take some notes. If you forget it, you're not going to be able to go back and watch a replay later. So that's what I was doing. Uh, But I, I will say this. Uh, from what I know, and I know nothing about Club Tijuana, but from what I know with some of the other media members there that cover both uh, local soccer and Club Tijuana, they put out a pretty strong side, a lot of starters. All, again, still preseason, their second preseason match. Uh, but, you know, it's Liga MX, it's it's their starters. They're, they're good players. Even if it's their preseason, these are players that on paper are better than the entirety of the Orange County Soccer Club roster you know, when you just look at on paper, what's expected out of those teams, Orange County put out a decently strong side, but they did rotate here and there, which was expected. Uh, Patrick McLean got the night off. Liam Trotter got the night off. Harry Forrester got the night off. Leonardo got the night off. 
Uh, other than that, though, a lot of uh, mixing in and out of some players. Uh, there was actually some of the U23 players out there for the match, and there was also uh, a trialist out there for the match, which was pretty interesting to find out. Dylan uh, has made his way back onto the line. Hopefully uh, he doesn't hit a dead zone really quick because Dylan was also at the match. So he asked, actually also got to see some of what was going on uh, in the club Tijuana match. Dylan, uh, what are your thoughts on how that match just shaped up uh, and, and what we saw out there from the mismatch uh, hodgepodge or whatever you want to call it of players out there? Um, you know, I actually expected it to be a, a pretty big beating from uh, club Tijuana. But I thought we actually held our own pretty well to get that most of the starters played in the first 30 minutes. Um, and that was kind of where the most quality for Orange County was. But I think it's pretty obvious that the club Tijuana players weren't fit in any way. Um, but even then, some of the, the trialists and the U23 players, they played pretty well. Um, definitely made cases for themselves to be considered maybe later on in the season for the club and where we are in the... Uh, playoff race and, and forward and get a little bit older um, and hopefully that's it and I think we got Dylan going through one of those dead zones again so um, but he I think he was sharing some of the same thoughts of what I was uh, sharing about that match there uh, it was interesting the I wasn't expecting as strong of a team out there for Orange County as we ended up seeing I was expecting maybe uh, I don't know, uh, a few more bench players in the starting lineup and maybe getting some of the starters some run late in the match when there's really either a close match and you're trying to maybe get a tie against a, a quality squad or just it's the end of the match. You're just trying to run it out, give them a little bit of run for some training exercise. But when you have the likes of a Darwin Jones and Aiden Quinn, uh, Vinicius was out there who's been starting more uh, of late. Uh, Jerry Von Wolfgang was out there. Uh, you, you, Walker Hume was out there. You had some players that have been getting key minutes for this team out there in the starting lineup. And uh, yeah, no, it was a very interesting match. Very interesting to see with what was going on with this. Unfortunately, Orange County didn't have enough to be able to get the victory. But again, it was a friendly, didn't really mean much other than getting some run for some players, getting our newcomers, um, which was uh, Michael Orozco and uh, Edson uh, Alvarero, I believe is, is his last name, if I'm getting that right. Uh, if I'm not, Alan, you can look it up and you can correct me. Alvarado. Alvarado. Yes, uh, I, I, I was close. Um, I, I will say this. For those two basically jumping in in, in the first team, I know um, – uh, Edson has been on the youth club or the U23 squad this year. He scored like four goals in seven matches for that team. Uh, but Michael Orozco jumping in first match with the team. I'm sure he's been training for a while. But, you know, training is a lot different than match action. And those two jumped in and they they looked pretty good uh, from the get-go. They looked like they were already mixing and matching with the squad. Uh, definitely surprised in what I saw out of Edson uh, just because I had – not really heard much of him up until the signing. I know he's on the U23 team, but I, I will admit I don't quite follow that team as much as probably I should. Uh, and uh, no, but all around decent for that. And it was a good chance to see some of these players that we don't really get a chance to see much. Uh, Sebastian uh, Dupois, uh, who else came out in there? Uh, Hugo Ariano got a start in this match, which again, a player we haven't seen much of. Uh, and uh, Koji uh, was out there in the second half. Connor Gordon got some action out there. Michael Seaton even got some action in the second half. 
which was sort of nice to see out there. But a 1-0 uh, defeat in a friendly to a quality squad. Nothing to be upset about. The uh, Club Tijuana coaching staff was very uh, pleased with what we provided for their team and their preparation and their training. It wasn't a walkover. It wasn't a, an easy match for them. They actually had to go out there and work. And their victory came thanks to a penalty that was made. So ultimately, we didn't give out any open field goals. It was a penalty. Um, it was an obvious penalty in the box. So there's no complaining on this one that the refs got it wrong. I know we, we tend to like to critique the refs. It was a nice little flick over the defense uh, and the club Tijuana player got it. Uh, Hugo Ariano just basically had to make a dive to try and at least stop him from getting a shot, took out the player's feet. Um, luckily no cards given probably cause it was a friendly, maybe in a, competitive match we would have seen a yellow or possibly even a red but the i think the ref was trying to avoid cards whenever possible in this and, and they got the uh the goal there uh unfortunately because uh it wasn't televised and there was no official stats being taken our, our fantasy soccer plan for the match sort of took a took a dive. We couldn't really say there was no goals. So there was no obvious. Okay. Let's give that guy something for goals. There were a few shots that Dylan and I could remember were shots, but then you sort of feel bad if you're going to give them shots, but you can't remember any other shots and, and things of that nature. So we ended up just saying, let's just give it uh, uh, players that started or make appearances. We'll give them the points for that, which didn't really uh, affect the, the outcome regardless. Uh, I don't think Alan was going to catch up to me on that, but you mean, you mean, uh, I wasn't going to get like 10 saves that game. and, and I don't and, think Cervantes had 10 yeah, saves. Yeah. I, I think he had maybe a couple, so yeah. it wouldn't have helped too much on that. The uh, other thing with the uh, Cholos, uh, I believe like eight of the 11 starting 11 from the friendly started in the playoffs last year for Cholos. So you're seeing, seeing some good players. Uh, the goalie, Lahoud, uh, has been called up to the Mexican national team from time to time. Uh, he's a little bit lower on the depth chart. Uh, obviously, he's not with the Mexican national team right now uh, he's made a few appearances he's kind of on an edge like four or five maybe uh phenomenal goal a goalie in liga mx they're talking about probably selling him sometime soon uh but you did see quite a few of the Cholos playoff team starters uh this wasn't like i wasn't sure who they were going to bring and they brought i looked at the lineup versus uh, the leon game uh in the playoffs last year and i think there was eight players who appeared in both matches um so if you showed up, you were treated to uh, probably a really good game. It seemed like there was a lot of people. Um, saw some pictures of the lines getting in, and it was busier than I think I've ever seen Orange County line before the game starts. Uh, so that was really cool to see, and I think it's it's it benefits Cholos, but it also benefits Orange County to get some more eyes on the team. Yeah, and I, I will probably say, and uh, if Dylan was on with us, he probably could agree with me here. It was probably about 90 to 95%. Uh, Tijuana fans, about 5 to 10% uh, Orange County fans. A big omission there at the match. There was no county line coalition. Maybe one or two members uh, of the supporters group were there. Uh, I, I think I recognized a couple. I was sitting up in the press box, which is across the way. So, And I don't have binoculars when I'm up there, so I can't tell you for sure. But it looked like there was a couple familiar faces out there in Section 9. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a definite uh, advantage, a definite, I guess home away from home atmosphere for Tijuana. Uh, you know, heck, you even had, uh, you know, the Spanish language ESPN radio station out there to promote and get an interview with uh, the newest member of the Orange County team. 
In the end, for those of you that missed the match in the end, you missed a, a pretty decent match. You, you missed a chance to see some of the uh, players we don't get to see too often. And um, I think for those of you that saw the match, it gave me some hope heading into LA. Uh, we know now that it didn't really matter because Orange County continued to sort of struggle with what they've struggled with most of the season. And that's conceding some late goals or just, you know, not holding on to uh, points and dropping points. And that's what happened in LA. Uh, we got Dylan back on the line. Hopefully he's in a better area right now. Uh, any, I, I know you haven't heard of anything we've been really talking about here, Dylan, but uh, last thoughts or, or anything that maybe you want to definitely share about that uh, friendly against Club Tijuana. Um, I thought that we played well, um, that guys that normally don't get to play together, played well together. So I think there is a team identity. I don't know why that's not translating to league form or any matches in the league. Um, and maybe it's just typically starting 11. And these guys are, some of the French guys are hungry to show that they deserve some minutes. But um, I think there's a lot less work than maybe everyone thinks. They're, they're obviously not in a great shape or not in a great spot right now especially halfway through the season. Um, but if that kind of cohesiveness is present, maybe amongst the French players in the squad, um, they work well together, and maybe at some point you give them a shot to see what they can do during uh, in a league match. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe that gets us started with the, a couple wins in a row to jump up back, back towards the top of the table, hopefully into the top half. Definitely. And we talked about this. I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before. This is sort of that time in the season where Orange County needs to make that run. If they're going to make that run to get into playoff positioning, this is the time to do it. And, and I believe the first two you know, real games, the ones that actually count, haven't quite gone our way. So we're sort of off to a poor slot start on that. And as we've been pretty much off to a poor start for most of the season. So let's talk about this L.A. Galaxy 2 match where uh, Orange County, again, now sort of had the advantage with the home fans there. Uh, it's a decent crowd, although maybe I, I I would say not quite the crowd that I would have hoped to be there for a rivalry match, a derby. Um, I know a lot of times Orange County fans look more at Phoenix or even like a team like Reno as a more rival because there's actually some fan groups that you can actually interact with or is when you're interacting with LA galaxy two, there's not really a, a fan group for the two squad that really is very active social media. Uh, no podcast that we can sit there and banter with when we're looking for someone to talk about LA galaxy two, but unfortunately LA came out to orange County, win the match, uh, break the hearts of orange County fans. Now, Alan, you actually got to watch this game as opposed to the clubs you want game. So I'm going to go to you really quick. Uh, what were your you know impressions just briefly overall on the match and then we'll get into the details yeah i watched it at the at a wonderful hotel in boulder colorado listening in the lobby to a live band um i thought orange county played well for a lot of the game uh just boiled down to a couple of defensive blunders um but i think overall if you take you know probably 60 seconds out of the game orange county played well but it, yeah, those, <laughs> yeah, those, again, it comes down to just being able to execute on the defensive end uh, kept you from winning. 
Uh, what about you, Dylan? Just sort of your brief interaction or your brief thoughts on the on the match there against uh, LA. I think Allen's assessment's pretty good. Um, I can't blame Harry Forrester for any defensive mishaps this week because he didn't play, so that's a nice change. Um, but yeah, I think maybe two three minutes go differently in that match, um, and they maybe put away a couple chances that they had in front of a close post, um, and you know. It's, Maybe a three-one game or a three-nil game instead of a instead of a loss. Um, but that's that's how the whole season's gone. Where it's every little thing that could go wrong has gone wrong. Um, but talking with the the technical staff after the match, they basically said we made some stupid mistakes and they that punk us. But otherwise, we tried to play with this identity and, and this structure, and they managed to do it. Um, the back passes. One of those things that they talked about not doing, and of course, what is it, 90th minute or something, back pass to Contour, um, and then he just gets pressed, bobbles it, and then it's the one-on-one with McLean. So, I mean, we've seen it a few times this season, and something that really is kind of what keeps the club from getting three points or even a point in these matches. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and as you're speaking, gentlemen, we do have the highlights going on our live stream for those of you that uh, listen on our podcast. If you watch this live, we do show some images, video highlights and whatnot. Those are all courtesy of, uh, well, the, the video is courtesy of USL Championship Productions or USL Productions. Uh, but yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, as we always talk about, a couple things go differently. We could be talking about a different outcome in this match. I know there was a Liam Trotter back flick that he tried to sort of sneak into the goal went right to the the goalkeeper. So of course that doesn't help us. And yeah, like Dylan, like you mentioned that back pass that uh, probably shouldn't have been made because uh, the pressure was on right there. Uh, the back pass to also on contour um, misplays it. And once he misplays it, I think almost every fan in the stadium knows unless the LA galaxy player just butchers it, it's, it's going to be a goal for them. And, and I think that's something um, heading out of the club Tijuana match, speaking with uh, coach Braden Cloutier at that match, one of the things he was praising against club Tijuana, uh, club Tijuana was the uh, moving forward uh, and also the avoiding any kind of counterattack. And so when you look at that whole back pass to contour, which led to basically a counterattack because he misplays the ball, those were the two things that, uh, the coach had just praised him on two nights before, and now it comes back to to haunt the team in in what ends up being an important match uh, for positioning and points and whatnot. And again, it was one of these goals that are given up in the final minutes uh, of a match. I think the 86th minute is when they scored. As I'm talking right now, I'm watching the uh, the highlight, and that's exactly what happened there. Uh, Alan, your thoughts? I think the other thing that I- is frustrating about that is contour even tries to foul him like grab him and tackle him and doesn't even manage to do that like <laughs> like at that point yeah take the yellow card that would have been a red but yeah take it yeah i mean it's still one one and we've proven that we play better down a man i guess in the past i guess um, so, yeah but it it was it was pretty heartbreaking to watch that whole sequence happen and it's not like it's not like a missed offside. It's not like you know something that you can say, "Hey, there was some other outside influence." This was as a team, uh, the team did not execute properly, and 
uh, ended up costing us. It seemed like Orange County made a few mistakes and Los Dos took advantage of those mistakes. Um, it seemed like Orange County is a little bit snake bitten in front of goal right now. Like looking back, some of those highlights, there's that trotter uh, shot that the goalie just gets his hand on as it comes back across his body. There are some like really close, really amazing chances. McLean played really well in the first half, um, made some awesome saves in the first half to keep Orange County in it. So it's like leading up to that point, I'm like, hey, this is a this is a good game. Things are going well. And we just didn't execute a couple times, and Los Dos took advantage of it. Uh, they looked like the more um, seasoned team to take advantage of those mistakes. Usually ex- you expect that from the the team that's you know more experienced players. You don't expect that from a younger team. But in this instance, it was there's a couple of opportunities that Los Dos have, and they took advantage of them. And there's a couple opportunities that Orange County had. They took advantage of one that Vinicius goal was great. Um, but there was just so many close chances that just need to end up in the back of the net. And I think maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's a luck thing. That's what's terrible about soccer is that you can be the better team for 85 minutes, but it only takes two or three for the other team to win. And I think that's uh, evident both this game and the Portland game was like that as well. We had really good stretches of play. And just a few minutes of brain fart, head not in the right place, bad luck, bad bounce. And, you know, you you end up with losses instead of draws and draws instead of wins. Um, and that's kind of how the game's going right now for Orange County. It's, it's a little bit rough, but it's not like they're playing poorly. They're just not playing well for all 90 minutes. I think that's what the Danny uh, Chrysostomo quote was. Like we've yet to put together 90 minutes of really good soccer. We play 85 and there's like five minute in there that isn't good. And that's what, that's what the losses are coming from. That's where the draws are coming from. And I think the hardest part of it is those poor five minutes or so in a match typically come at the end of the match, not giving you a chance to be able to find a way to come back, which is for those of you that followed the team last season, they were pretty good at coming back from behind uh, there was some key matches last year. Everyone can remember the match where we scored not one, but two goals in extra time to, to win a match. So because they're giving up the lead in like the 85th, 86th, 91st minute, you're now not giving your chance. You, not only are you dropping the points, but you're not giving your chance, your team a chance to actually try and get that comeback. Dylan. That's me. You asked me a question, right? <laughs> oh, you need me to ask you a question. You can't just talk. Oh, I mean, I think that's true. And I think it's, like Alan said, equal parts of luck at this point, and then and the luck doesn't go your way, and the luck hasn't gone away all year. It screws your confidence, and then when you play with no confidence, it's really hard to score goals. And that's basically why we have an anemic offense. We're not creating good chances because the chances that we should score, for whatever reason, don't get put in. They get flagged offside, keepers make crazy saves, Defenders get in the way, whatever it is. The easy chances aren't getting slotted home, so we're getting a little bit desperate and trying things from distance, trying things that probably aren't going to come off, and then it just cycles. Um, but the 34 weeks, and really all they need to do is get attempt by the end of it. We should really be aiming higher. Um, we're definitely underperforming. 
I don't think anyone would argue against that at this point. But uh, all, you, all you need to do is get the tenth, and if you have good form going into those last few games, you can probably carry that pretty deep into playoffs. So maybe this is the time they turn it around. Uh, playing Colorado is going to be a really good, really good test for them. But I'll, I'll let you segue into that in a few minutes. <laughs> well, and that's the 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 wonderful and amazing thing when it comes to soccer, uh, especially when U.S. soccer with these playoff atmosphere scenarios is if you can enter the playoffs as one of the hotter teams, you can easily make the run. You have to win what four? I don't know five matches now. Uh, when you're on fire, like if you look at Phoenix's run right now, if that's the run Orange County can get in at the end of the season, I mean, then the news is great for Orange County, right, Alan? Yeah, and I mean, ideally, you want to you're shooting for eighth because you want to or sixth, you want to avoid the playing game. Um, but I mean, at this point, USL playoffs, <laughs> right? USL playoffs are crazy and. It's, I mean, it's, I know it's a cliche in sports. You just got to get in, but you just got to get in. Like you can't win playoff games if you're not in, but if you're in the playoffs, literally anything can happen. USL, you know, one week to one week teams that shouldn't beat teams are beating teams, especially if it's not like a home and home and it's a one-off, you're going to get these crazy, you know, you're going to get a lucky bounce. You're going to get a two, one win when you shouldn't have won. I mean, just look at the open cup. The open cup is a great example of teams who probably shouldn't beat other teams, beating other teams just because it's a one-off. And um, I think if you can get kind of hot toward the end and write a hot hand in, and you can make a, a decent run, if you're clicking toward the end, you don't want to click right now. And then, you know, you get some injuries and things start falling apart and you limp into a playoff match where, like I said, one and done, you know, we you've, You've seen some of these top seeds. What was it? Uh, Cincinnati last year. Like Cincinnati's supposed to win it all because they're the best team. But you know they run up against a Red Bull team that just happens to beat them on that day. You know maybe eight times out of ten Cincinnati wins, but those two times might just happen to be the time they play. So Orange County needs to fight to get in, and then once they're in, they're in. Um, I think they maybe need to look a little bit more. They have they talk about that team identity. There just sometimes it doesn't feel like there's a plan of attack. It just feels like, hey, we got good guys. Let's just make it happen. As opposed to like, hey, this is the setup we're going to have. This is the attacking approach. This is what we're going to be doing. Sometimes it feels a little bit like guys just trying to use their talent to win a game. Yeah. Whereas you look at some, you know, right now you, you can't do that anymore. Like USL gets better and better every year. You just can't go out there with good players and win anymore. You have to have an, an identity. You have to have an attack, attacking identity, a defending identity. And right now, it just doesn't feel like that's always the case. And Koji Hashimoto spoke about that a couple of games ago where it's like, hey, we do these balls over the top all the time. We need more patience. We need more patience. We need to hold on to the ball and build the attack. And I, and looking at the some of the way we, ways we've been attacking lately, it's kind of been the case. It's like we just try to rely on the fact that Darwin Jones is fast and Michael Seaton can get some heads on the ball. But when teams are keying in on that, you have to be smarter and you have to build and you have to break teams down. And I don't think Orange County is doing that quite well right now. So let me ask Dylan, um, is there someone you could name as maybe a man of the match for this match? Um, actually a really difficult question. I don't know if anyone really 
she really stood out being really, really good throughout that game. I do want to give some credit to Danny Kostosimo for playing as a right back. He got a little bit of practice in on Thursday against the Cholos, but uh, kind of thrown in there. I asked him about it after the match. He said, oh, you know, Kevin Alston gave me some pointers. So maybe him, just for playing in a new position, uh, he's doing pretty well. Made a couple of mistakes that mostly kept everything in front of him, which is what he was tasked with doing. And uh, you know, for his first competitive go-around, he did pretty well. How about you, Alan? Uh, I think I wrote about it in the recap of McLean being uh, definitely the first half of the game, man of the match. Like some of the saves he was coming up with definitely kept the team in the game. Unfortunately, you give up two at the end um, or two in the second half, and maybe you don't quite get the recognition you deserve. Uh, but I thought, you know, if McLean doesn't come up with a couple of really big saves in the first half, we're looking at, you know, a 4 1 loss to Los Dos, and that's definitely embarrassing. Um, so I agree with Dylan that, you know, we got to give some love to Danny. Uh, it's always tough to play out of a position, especially if you're not used to playing on the back line. Uh, there's a lot of communication that needs to happen a lot of, um, cohesiveness that you need. Um, and he's, uh, he's a good player and he works real hard and he, I really like him on the team. Uh, but I'm going to give a shout out to Patrick McLean because some of those saves in the first half were, uh, definitely lifesavers, and we would have been down at least a goal or two at half if it wasn't for his ability to get to the ball and, and, and punch it clear. All right, uh, gentlemen, any last thoughts on this match before we move ahead to look at the upcoming match against Colorado Springs? Uh, I'll start with you, Dylan. Do you have any last thoughts? At least we played as a team. Um, obviously, we lost, not but we did well as a team. There's obviously that machine touch to get there. We need to get there all year, but this is the first step to that. Then I'll take it. Um, it felt a lot less bittersweet than a lot of the other losses and a lot of the other draws this year. How about you, Alan? Yeah, it was uh, it was more disappointing because of the the good run of play that they had. Um, it was definitely um, it, it was. It was a tough loss, uh, probably one of the tougher ones lately. Um, but I think Coach Cloutier kind of summed it up. It's like, hey, we have a chance to get right back out there on Thursday. Um, let's turn the page. Let's forget about the rough stuff. Let's go out there and build on the, build on the positives and hopefully put together a good 90. I know it's at 6,000 feet, but, um, you know, that's no excuse to put together a good, a good 90 compact unit, uh, play well together as a team and really come out, and I think you can get uh, a victory on the road, and if winning on the road is going to be a huge boost of confidence uh, going into Colorado. So let's turn the page, let's move on, let's build on the positives, and let's uh, get to it in Colorado. So let's talk about Colorado. Uh, our dedicated uh, co-host, Dylan, is you know making the trek out to Colorado all for the podcast. We know that's the reason why he's making the trek out there. Uh, but he's going to be actually at the stadium on 4th of July, uh, hoping to to bring enough of the county line coalition energy out there to what is it wide widener field widener field whatever the place is called um aren't they what uh 
don't they do what are they ciders or whatever they do? I don't know. I don't or they beer. I don't know. Are you thinking of Bitmer Brothers from Portland, Oregon? Probably. I'm probably just messing things up. Um, they they make a good beer, but uh, not related to the field in Colorado Springs. Okay, so Dylan's making his way up to Colorado Springs just for us. You know, I, I begged him. I said, Dylan, can you just go? You know, make the drive up. Uh, through the middle of nowhere to go watch this match. Uh, so he'll be there for this action. So Dylan, I'm going to go to you first because you're going to be the one there representing uh, not only Counterline Coalition, but the podcast. Uh, what are you hoping for? What are you expecting heading into the match this Thursday? Uh, normally I'd expect a win against this side. Um, they don't have great quality, um, but they did just fire their manager and they do have the advantage of playing at altitude. Uh, I think it's Widener Field, um, and it's the highest um, stadium in North America. 6,600 feet, I think. So they're used to they're used to playing at that uh, altitude. They train at that altitude. Um, they get that aerobic benefit and anaerobic benefit going to a match. Um, so we'll need to slow things down. But having just fired their manager two days ago. Uh, a lot of those players are probably going to be trying to play well to impress whoever the new manager is. Their interim is the assistant coach, but uh, anytime there's a managerial change, there's uncertainty about who's going to keep playing when the new manager arrives and will be retained in the next year because the switchbacks generally are about continuity. They had their last manager for four and a half seasons. He's the only manager to the side. Um, decided to make a change halfway through this year. Um, and so I think that might bring the best out of some of their players. And, of course, they've got a great goalkeeper in Andre Rolf. So if the defense in front of them shows up, if Shane Malcolm up top and the switchback shows up, uh, they're a good side. But they haven't done that since the first week of the season. So kind of a toss for this match. Are we fit enough to perform at that level? Um, are we organized to slow the game down enough to where we can compete for 90 minutes? Um, I think after last week's performance, we could argue yes. And if we have fit fullbacks for this match, um, that's, a, that's a big plus, too. Because obviously, Joe Amico didn't play. We had Danny Kostoma as the right back. I mean, midfielder. Oh, we lost him again through some of those mountains. So I'm going to jump to you, Alan. Uh, uh, following up on what Dylan is saying there, uh, is it a pro or a con that uh, Colorado Springs has recently fired their their manager and are now uh, under the leadership of, what, their assistant? Yeah, it's usually see kind of like a revigoration of a team after they fire a manager because it, sometimes it like, oh, snap. Things are really serious. Uh, but Colorado is a team that, I mean, before we played them last time, it was, hey, we might not win this game because they're playing really well. Uh, Colorado's run of form is about as good as ours lately. Uh, the three losses in a row, they just lost to Austin Bold 5-0 to nil on the road. Um, they play a little bit better at home, obviously. Um, they're sitting at negative 16 goal differential. Um, so... Things haven't been going well there. I don't know if firing a coach and bringing in an assistant coach is really going to change a whole lot, um, especially if they run a similar system. But uh, Colorado is a team that, yes, they are at the bottom of the 
West, uh, but they also beat Fresno uh, a couple weeks ago at home. Uh, so they can beat good teams. Um, I think that we can go in there and get a win um, based on kind of our last form. Yeah, we got some losses in there, but um, I don't think we necessarily played poorly in any of those, but the Phoenix match. Uh, but the thing that worries me is Orange County always starts slow at home uh, or on the road. Uh, they play kind of with lack of energy at the beginning, and that might be uh, enough to uh, get Colorado a positive vibe if they put one in early that they can actually do well. Um, so I think if we can get through the first 30 minutes without conceding, I think it gives us a really good chance uh, going forward as far as uh, our success on the road. Uh, like I said, we don't ter- ter- we don't play terribly well on the road. Um, so this one does worry me because it is on the road against a team at altitude. Uh, they didn't look too great at Phoenix. Uh, we are 0-3-5 away. Uh, so it's one of those look for a draw and hope you can nip a win. Um, but I think if we can walk away with three points of this one, I'd be extremely ecstatic, even against a team in the bottom of the West. And if Dylan was on, I'd ask him about, you know, it, is he excited to potentially see Andre Rawls uh, in goal? You know, he was a fan favorite with Orange County last season. A lot of Orange County fans were hoping he'd be back on our club this season. But just like Orange County's been struggling for most this year, I think Andre Rolls hasn't been having the greatest of seasons this year. I think the last match, I, I can't remember, but he gave up quite a few goals. Was it against in the most recent match, Alan? Is that yeah, correct? Austin Bold? It was a five nil defeat. Yeah, not what Orange County fans remember from Andre Rolls. Um, so you never know. Maybe there will be a keeper change just because he's not in great form. Uh, I'm sure that'll disappoint Dylan and any other Orange County fan that was hoping to see him, even if it's just on the ESPN Plus stream. Uh, If you don't watch many Colorado Springs switchback FC matches, uh, this was your opportunity to do so. Uh, I would love to see Andre Rawls succeed, just not against us if he does play in this match. Hopefully he has another match like he did against Austin Bold, uh, giving up a, a... bunch of goals um what is uh, i i know you say alan you know maybe going with the mentality get a draw but if you can get a win uh, you know that's a bonus is are we getting to the point of the season though where we can't go into that into matches with that mentality because we're getting we're, we're getting past the halfway point we now need to really strive for full three points every time or are you looking at it as we've been struggling let's let's walk before we run let's get a point on the road before we focus on trying to get three points on the road i mean as a fan you always want three points like you you the whole the fight for a draw mentality is never something as a fan that you want unless you're playing unless you're like a lower level a lower level team playing one of the top level teams um like tacoma playing phoenix you're gonna hope for a draw and if you can get a win it's great uh, Orange County should never be in that and should never feel like way, that way, especially as a fan. You shouldn't feel that draws are acceptable. You want all three, the three points all the time. We have enough talent on the pitch to do that. Um, as a practical standpoint right now, as looking at our record, looking at the way we've been playing on the road, um, I think that you set up your mentality. Like if I'm going to watch the game, I'm going to watch it as if we walk out of here with a draw, I'm going to be happy. If we, 
manage to get a win, I'm going to be ecstatic. So it's kind of almost like managing my expectations. So I'm not super disappointed if we end up with a draw. I guess it depends on the type of draw. Giving up a last minute goal to give up that draw would be kind of heartbreaking. Uh, but I think going into this, like setting up your mentality of if we can walk away with at least a draw on the road, we're, we're okay. Ideally, we should look to defend and then uh, to, to strike out at them and uh, really conserve our energy to defending, uh, kind of filling out how the game's going. Um, but like you, I mean, you said too, that let's put some pressure on them. If we can find some ways to exert some pressure um, quick strikes on like a counter. I think we have the ability to do that, the speed on the outside and really maybe put the pressure on them early and maybe get out in front and then defend. I can see us doing that um, as opposed to trying to sit back um, and nip a, or, or hold on a nil nil draw, maybe try to fight for that first goal and then defend like crazy uh, to get, walk out of there with, you know, a one nil two nil win uh, as opposed to a, you know, nil nil draw or a one one draw so you know after last season never thought i would say this like i'm saying this now but darn i wish we had yosh hoyville on the roster right now so he could try and pull off him and michael seaton can pull off what they did last season at colorado springs early in a match with that just like amazing almost like 75 percent of the field pass and michael seaton gets the the goal uh dylan uh, alan was mentioning you know on a road match like this with the way the team's been playing, they got to, you know, we're looking at, let's get a draw. If we get a win, that's like a bonus. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think this team actually has to go out to, they got to win the mentality of needing it to win. Um, I don't think Lydia's job should be on the line um, or anyone on the technical staff. I think that they should be given time. There needs to actually be a plan in place. They're going to ever be replaced. But, um, I think the players need to go and say, we need to get three points. It's really upset at this point. Get the job done. Um, they need to go out and say three points, a bust. Um, really look at each other and look at themselves and figure out that final little final little bit to get goals into the back of the net. So they should go out. I think they should go out strong early and try to score. I mean, it was the 90th, 93rd second. Last season, Chris Hoyville uh, weighted that ball to Michael Seaton, and then he just side-footed it to the far corner of the goal around Stewart Seas. That would be a great goal for us to have again. So, something like that, maybe. Maybe Michael Rose throw to Michael Seaton. Uh, just park the bus after that. So then uh, I guess the big question would be, would you feel bad for Andre Rolls or are you, you know, what are you going to feel for Andre Rolls if we, uh, if he has another performance against us, like he did against Austin recently, um, are you going to be happy or are you going to be a little sad? Is it going to be bittersweet? Um, I don't think that most of those goals were really his fault. Um, having watched the highlights from that match, I think the mentality of that team was far worse than anything we've ever had. Um, but I'll feel bad if we blow him out. Um, I really like Andre. I think everyone else did. He was a great player for us and a great not a supporter because he's a player, but he's always really courteous and really kind and really thankful. Um, so I think he's a really great person. So maybe like a, a narrow win, just so he doesn't 
feel too bad or something. It's, it's, like, it's a difficult situation for sure. Um, maybe he just won't play, and then I won't feel bad. But, uh, you know, we'll definitely let him know that we we miss him greatly, uh, even if Patrick McClain is a wonderful goalkeeper as well. What do you have to say, Alan? Yeah, looking at uh, some of the stats from the Austin Bowl game, it looks like they scored three goals in the first 30 minutes. Uh, And then looking at some of the defensive plays, it looks like the defense from uh, Colorado has just stopped playing. Like looking at it, if you go back, if you look at some of those goals, there's just like two defensemen and one offensive player, and the offensive player has like four yards, three yards of space for an open header. Like, some of those goals, like, I mean, if Rawls had rocket boosters on his feet, I don't think he'd get into some of those. Like, it just looked like they had stopped playing. So, you know, maybe they're more motivated this week with the new coach. But if they play with that kind of motivation uh, defensively, um, I think that Orange County is going to want it way more. Uh, and that's maybe going to be that X factor in this game is, you know, maybe Colorado's already been like, all right, well, you know, sorry, Colorado Springs switchbacks FC. We're supposed to say the whole name, I guess. Um, the, if they defend the way they defended last week, it's, you know, Orange County is going to have some chances to do some damage because they're just going to want it more. Um, and I hope to see that. I hope to see that kind of fire and determination to, get that win where Colorado looked like they were just kind of over it and going through the motions. Um, so maybe firing the coach might not be a good thing. Cause it's like, Hey, you fired our coach mid season. I guess you're kind of saying the season's lost um, and we're going to pick it up next year. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I'm hoping for some pressure on the outside. I'm hoping for some, a cup, maybe an early goal to set the mood and then kind of, uh, kind of play the game, uh, in a way that allows the game to come to you, uh, not exert yourself too much, uh, but really uh, kind of punch and counterpunch uh, against the Colorado side that looks like those, the highlights were it was Austin was playing like it, it looked like uh, Colorado had their speed turned down on FIFA. Um, just lack of defensive in- uh, intensity, just guys getting to balls that shouldn't have had space to get to the balls, having tons of space to get there to put it in. All right, let's do this uh, for a matter of time because uh, we still want to get into some random thoughts, some other soccer things to talk about. Let's do our quick game predictions. Uh, While we have Dylan still on the line and he's not in a dead zone, I'm going to go to him first. Dylan, uh, what is your prediction for this match and who is the the key player? Um, I'm going to catch up trying to get a point at the end on a counterattack. I think Michael Rosco will make the difference in this match. Uh, he jumped right in, and he's been really solid. Thinking that all that time he's been training with the team before his announcement, he did a lot of good. Uh, there's no getting him up to speed like it was with you or Schloss, who just straight into the side and straight into good performance. Also, thank you, even climbing up to the Dwight Eisenhower top lane. There's lightning, so who knows what will happen from here on out. Hey, quickly, can you tell us that story, uh, score again? Because you got cut off right when you said the score. 2-0. Uh, 2-0. Alan, what about you? Yeah, I'm feeling a 2-0 victory as well. I think getting that clean sheet is going to be great too. Uh, as far as uh, players, I think um, 
Michael Seaton needs to get a get a ball in the back of the net. When he sees that happen, I think we go on another good run. I think that's kind of what set it off the last time uh, he scored uh, after not scoring for a minute. Uh, it really kind of kicked the team off. Uh, I think Darwin Jones being on the field is going to be really important. He was kind of a, a – when he's on the field, the team just looks different. Um, so I think maybe a, a DJ to Seaton goal uh, early on in the match sets the tone. Uh, and maybe uh, a nod to maybe a Chris Sostomo who, you know, took one for the team last week to play a defense – uh, maybe he gets uh, gets something a little bit late to uh, make him feel good about that sacrifice. Uh, I'm going to go with a three nil Orange County, and I'm looking for a big match from this guy right here, Mr. Aiden Quinn in the midfield. Uh, uh, we need a breakout from that guy. That guy's been sort of struggling. He he was a key piece last season, and I know he's missing his center uh, midfield. Uh, partner there in Christian Duke all this season. I think once Christian Duke comes out, it's definitely going to help Aiden Quinn's game uh, take another level. But uh, I'm hoping in this match, uh, knowing the importance, knowing that this team really at this point needs something, needs a win. Uh, I'm hoping not just him. I, I, I'm hoping other players like a Michael Seaton, like a Michael Orozco, like Patrick McLean come into this match, just focused, knowing that uh, Colorado Springs is sort of on the ropes. They're ready. You know, just one like, good punch and they're gonna be out. It's like it's like basically uh you know i don't know i can't remember an old mike tyson opponent that just got knocked out in like 10 seconds I, i'm feeling like colorado springs is sort of that opponent like if you can get them if you can give an early just knockout punch to them they're gonna go down the game's gonna be over hopefully that's what i'm gonna see there and we're all gonna see there and it'll be a good uh three nil victory for orange county so you know what always happens when we're all so confident in the score, what, what typically happens. Hopefully we, we you know buck that trend there and it, it comes out uh, that we were all pretty close on this. Uh, let's get into some other soccer-related stuff. I know there's a bunch of soccer stuff to talk about. Um, again, Dylan, you're on the line right now, so I'm going to go to you first. Is there any soccer news you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, today's officiating in the England-U.S. World Cup semifinal garbage. Not ever same call. Um, just the rest of that at all the levels. So this is that. There's no hope. Ever. Even with VAR too. And the VAR for the offside goal, you don't go over and check, but you check for the penalty, and then it's a, it's either a denial of a goal throwing opportunity or no card. So it's either a straight red or no card, and then the yellow, and then it's the yellow when someone gets hit in the face on the U.S., but then Lindsey Grant throws her self into two separate human players and then only gets the yellow the second time. I just, oh, God. I don't understand. That took away from what was a decent game and then just, like, fell apart in the second half. So I stopped to watch it in Utah, and I regret the hour and a half that was spent doing that. And then, of course, you're in Utah, so you have, like, watered-down beer while you're sitting there trying to, to watch the match. So uh, you paid full price, with their, you paid full price for watered-down beer if, if you bought a beer in Utah. I did not buy a beer in Utah. <laughs> like I, a, a 2.5% Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh. there's the Red Bull. That was the nice drink. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a, it, I didn't get to really watch much of it. I only watched parts of it, but uh, I was listening to AM 570 on my ear while I was doing work at work, you know, cause that's what you do at work. 
I'm not, not, not everyone's like Alan to get the summer off or Dylan get forever off for the most part. Um, I actually had to work. And so I'm listening to what like Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete and them are talking about the match. And they're like all confused as they're like talking about the penalty or no, not the penalty, the offside England scores a goal. They're all excited about it. And then they're just watching the ref make gestures. They can't understand what the gestures mean. It took them like a minute to figure out that the goal was waved off. Uh, and then I heard them mentioning on the penalty, it, they were sort of saying it was like a makeup call because there wasn't much contact. I Again, I didn't get to see it. I'm just sort of quoting what this local sports radio was saying. So, yeah, it just seems like uh, maybe we should change our podcast. We'll be like the, you know, ref suck podcast or something like that because that seems to be always a topic that comes up for us. Oh, also, Alexi Wallace sucks in every way imaginable, and he should never open his mouth with me in front of the camera. Ever again. Ooh. Hot take. But not Someone hot hates take, America. Everyone agrees with that. No, I just hate Alexi Wallace greatly. <laughs> I, I concur. Alan. Alan concurs, yeah. <laughs> so really, it's a Women's World Cup. There are hundreds of very knowledgeable, phenomenal American women who can comment on soccer. And you have to bring in Ginger McGee, who like he just the way he talks to people just <laughs> puts me off. Like just the way he inter like he's the guy who's like, I know everything and you know nothing. And then he just like is so condescending to his like co-hosts that it was just it's it's been very off-putting listening to him commentate. If only you'd know what you're talking about, Alan. I don't, but I also don't. I know it all. I know it all. So you better you better listen to me, right? No, no I'm joking. Um yeah, yeah. It's I again I didn't watch the match, so I don't know what exactly you guys are talking about. I have listened to him a few times commentating. Yeah, not the biggest fan. Not yeah. yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, I watched it at uh it's- Petco opened it up today to wa- do a watch party. Uh so we were watching with a bunch of the American outlaws. There's about you know, 800,000 people out at Peco Park watching the women's game on the big screen uh, out and behind the outfield, kind of behind the pitching, um, the bullpen. There you go. Oof, sports terms. Baseball. Sportsing terms. Baseball. Um, it, it was really fun. Um, they had like half off beers. Uh, they really did a great job. Uh, yeah, the penalty call, We were, it was being hotly debated uh, between the uh, people watching and it's, a, it's one of those, like, denial of a goal-scoring opportunity, I guess. Like, it was her the England player's backswing of her foot caught one of the American players, which created the contact. Um, yeah, it was the offside thing, too, even as, like, American fan. Like, it was so close. It's like spirit versus letter. Letter, yeah, she's off. Spirit, like, come on. Like, that's – it. without VAR, that's an, on, that's an onside – goal it's a good goal with var it's like just you're, wait you're wait. just wear shorter boots i guess and you'll stay on side wait till the moment that someone just has like a very long nose and that's what puts them offside and then people are going to like start complaining or something it was well, alan will love this one um when Luis suarez played for liverpool opposing fans especially in manchester with chance Luis suarez Luis suarez your teeth are offside <laughs> so you know it's already been done right okay okay yeah we uh <laughs> it, someone said as the game was over it was a very england way to lose in the world cup like now, and there were a couple of england fans there and they stayed the whole time so good for them but 
So let's 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 do this discussion while we're on the the match there. The Alex Morgan celebration. Do you guys like it or do Loved you think it. It was, or do you think it was distasteful like some of the uh, uh, English fans were saying and, and and commentators were saying? Uh, you loved it, Alan. Loved it. If you don't want them to celebrate, don't give up a goal. What about you, Dylan? Uh, I think it was in response to something that Piers Morgan said, and I don't think he's ever opened his mouth and said anything remotely valuable. Much like Alexi Lala. Well, he's, so, a, he's an Arsenal fan, know. so he doesn't know anything. I've literally never thought about it or given her thought. So, you know. <laughs> he's hating on America today. Doesn't like Alexi Lawless, has never given Alex Morgan a thought. Yeah, hey. Uh, um, all right, let's move away from that match then. Uh, I'll talk about a brief soccer thing. It's, of course, Tottenham-related because Tottenham. Uh, they made their very first signing since January 2018. Uh, actually, they've made two signings now, it seems like. Uh, so Jack Clark out of Leeds or from Leeds. And then, um, yeah, some young 18-year-old English player. Maurizio Pochettino loves young players. He likes to be able to mold them into his type of player. I, I believe, though, you're signing him and you're going to loan him back to Leeds for a season, so we won't see him for at least another season. And then also the midfielder from France. Uh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name because I always butcher it. Dembele? And Dombele or something like that. Dembele? No, not Dembele. Ray was actually pretty close there. Is it? It's... Uh, Tangwe and Dombele? I, I don't know. You try, Dylan. I'm just going to go with that one. Okay. Um, but... I've seen his name like once ever, so who are you? <laughs> uh, a record-breaking signing for, for Tottenham. I think it's like somewhere in like the 66 million uh, pound mark or something like that, plus incentives. So, uh, you know, for I know for, you know, maybe a Liverpool fan, a Manchester City or United fan, that's chump change. But for Tottenham, that's actually some pretty big big money for for our club to spend so yeah i think the n silent i think it's tenge dombele okay well we'll figure it out when when i watch a game this season when he plays i'll let you know what the english pronouncers are or english commentators are saying uh, and how they pronounce his name i'll only get to see him play when they lose to liverpool which won't be any time this season um they're gonna get the revenge any other soccer stuff gentlemen before we move on to our random thoughts for the episode um, a moo should be happening, but uh, Haiti and Mexico are in uh, extra time. Mexico looks like they just got a penalty awarded to them. Uh, so it's taken extra time for Mexico L3 to get by Haiti. I'm rooting for Haiti in this one. Such a hater. I just um, like the underdog, unless they're <laughs> playing the United States. Dylan, any other soccer stuff before we go to random thoughts? I'll take that as a no. We lost him. All right, let's go to random thoughts. Alan, share us your random thought. Uh, my random thought is I am extremely uh, grateful for family. Um, I know the past couple have been a little bit of a more serious in nature random thoughts, uh, but I talked about this on on Facebook. There's been uh, – I'm going to get to see a bunch of my family, both my side and my wife's side between like Memorial day and halfway through July. Uh, just get to see a lot of them. Got to spend, getting to spend some time with them. Uh, my brother's coming out in a couple of days. So I'm excited for that. He lives in Georgia. So I don't get to see him very often. So his whole family's coming out here for the 4th of July uh, for about a week. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to uh, getting to spend some quality time with uh, 
with the family. And um, hopefully uh, all you listeners out there get to spend some time uh, with yours, whether it's the family you're born into or the family you choose. Um, hopefully you get to spend some time uh, this uh, 4th of July, uh, getting to spend some time with those that you either choose to be family with or you're born into. Um, so that is my random thought of the day. All right. We got Dylan back online. Dylan, your random thought. Uh, the future random thought is never buy a Fiat Chrysler product garbage. Um, and other than that, everyone's story of Fourth of July is trying to set off too many fireworks. So I'll see you all next week. Cool. And, uh, I, you know, I hate to end things off on like a sad note, but I know there was some tragedy in Major League Baseball just yesterday. Uh, if you're listening live a few days ago, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, for those of you that do follow the Angels or just follow baseball in general, you've probably heard the news of their pitcher, Tyler Skaggs, passing away uh, while on the road in Texas. I think 27 years old, which now I'm looking at my life. I'm like, man, a young person like that, that's an athlete. That's, you know, probably in some pretty good shape. Uh, and I know baseball players get, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, some baseball players get picked on for maybe they don't have to run as much as the other sports, but very sad situation on that. And it, it brought up this, this news of, or this, this recurring thing happening with angels over the last 10 years, three of their players on the roster, uh, in the last 10 years, passing away while active players. Uh, of course, uh, if you remember back 10 years ago, Nick Adenhart, uh, who died in a tragic car car crash in Fullerton, uh, drunk driver. It wasn't him. It was the other driver that was drunk but killed the Angels, Angels pitcher. He was like 22 or 23 years old. Uh, and then just recently, I think last year, uh, their third baseman, Luis Valbuena, I think is his name, uh, died while driving in Dominican Republic or something or, or some country. I forget which country he was in. Um, when that happened, Venezuela, Venezuela, there you go. Um, and then now this with, uh, Tyler Skaggs again in the hotel room, uh, it, uh, in Texas, I know there was a press conference by the team today. Uh, the angels manager, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Cause I haven't been following the angels that well. Recent. There you go. He was like in tears pretty much, uh, having to discuss what happened or just discuss how this has impacted the team. Uh, it just brings up this big, you know, thing. I, I know we're all big sports fans. We want our, our, you know, sports fix. We want to see our teams do good. We want to see amazing things, but th this type of stuff brings you back to the thought of this is still life. And uh, there are more important things than sports. Uh, sometimes you forget that in the, in the midst of battle, either as a fan or as a player. Uh, so just want to say, you know, condolences, thoughts and prayers uh, with Tyler Skaggs, his family, uh, friends that uh, and teammates and and again anyone else that ever is impacted by things like this because it's just you know sad to hear stuff like this especially when it's I, I know nothing can be you know no death can be easy to to cope with or whatever but when it's sort of this unexpected out of nowhere uh, type thing I get it if if even a, a planned death sucks and it's it's sad but just sort of this unexpected like you know if I was to wake up tomorrow and find out you know one of my co-hosts was no longer on this, this earth because just random unexpectedness that would just sort of suck. Um, so um, again, thoughts out to, to him, his family, teammates, uh, anyone that is an angel fan, baseball fan, sports fan that was following along with that. Uh, and I'm just sort of ranting a little bit too long about that, but yeah. Um, all right. Perfect. I think we're, we're good with this episode. Dylan, 
uh, was in and out for most of it. Uh, uh, I, I'd love to ask Dylan off the air who your who your his cell phone provider is, just to make sure going through those passes, I don't have to deal with uh, uh, dead zones. But we'll figure that out off the air because I don't want to call out any carrier for how good or poor their service may be. Uh, <laughs> Dylan has no no uh, cares in the world. He's going to call it out. Yeah, they're uh, a terrible company. Okay, we'll yeah, talk about this. So, we'll talk about yeah. this off the air, Dylan. We don't want to get in trouble for you bashing Verizon on our podcast. Um, let's do this uh, for Dylan, for Alan. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Uh, come on, Orange County, get the the three points out there in Colorado Springs, and we are out. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.